We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Not wanting to be left out from what England's going through on Sunday, Arsenal have now also decided it's all or nothing. This is the Arsenal Vision Euro 2020 Daily. My name is Elliot Smith, the good black man Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Um, it's sort of an Arsenal Vision podcast, and it's a it's a Euro 2020 podcast. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about the final. We're going to preview England, Italy uh, with a man who has no bias whatsoever and will give us his honest opinion uh, without any investment in it, which is great. Uh, but we are also going to talk about the fact that Arsenal have decided that given that there will be an absence of them on TV this season, what with no Europe, they're going to go back on TV for a bit more. They will be appearing in the Amazon digital series All or Nothing. Um, I don't want to say we are following in Spurs' footsteps because uh, they are forever in our shadow. But uh, yes, we are doing what they have done and what others have done before them. And uh, we'll discuss what that means. And we will do that with Clive. You can find him on Twitter at ClivePFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Hello, indeed. Uh, look, I'm just going to throw it out there. We are nearing the moment where registering for Vegas will no longer be free. And if you want to come to that, and I hope you do, there are going to be Fox Sports people there. There are going to be uh, all kinds of podcasters, fantasy football podcasters, Arsenal podcasters, myself, unfortunately. Um, there's going to be just a ton of fun stuff, uh, free drink events and um, watch parties for the games and live Q&A and live shows and just all kinds of great stuff. And all kidding aside, like listening to Tim explain what it was like to be around crowds and people again at, at the semifinal I'm looking forward to it so tremendously, and I hope that I will see many of you there. But if you want the free registration, uh, go to footballfest2021.com and register now. It is totally free to register. Um, we're actually probably going to add a, a full bar event for a Saturday night that that's being worked on as well. So if you get if you have a chance and you can be there, please do it. I know a lot of you can't be, and that's totally fine. We'll plan events where you are, when you are. We're going we're gonna to do all kinds of stuff. But if you can come to this, please come to this. And also, uh, if you do want to celebrate uh, Bukayo Saka riding a unicorn, we've got your stuff. Oh, we got your stuff. We got mugs. We got shirts. We got hoodies. We got the whole thing. Brandon drew it up, all sacadelic looking. I, I mean, Clive, you've seen it. Brandon did an awesome job with that, right? You know, he did that all freehand, just with the styles. I don't know how he does it. He showed me like the, the doing it in progress. I'm like, what are you doing? You just have the image on the internet. He's like, no, I'm not going to take an image from the internet. I'm going to, I'm going to draw it. He drew the whole thing. It's insane. Yeah, it's incredible. I just, I, suddenly he's going to be WhatsApp thinking, how's that happened so quickly? Uh, he's got real talent, that boy, real talent. Yeah, I, I have to admit, right, like when he said to do it, I was like, yeah, that seems like an interesting idea. I wonder if, if people will like that. And then, of course, before he even got done drawing it, there were like 40 websites with it out there. So it is what it is. We've got it. If you want to go to our shop, arsenalvisionpodcast.com, click shop. You can do that. You can buy the bingo mug. We're going to have giveaways for people playing with the bingo mug at home. And I know a lot of people have been getting some of the stuff and liking it. So thank you for that. There's actually going to be a Patreon pod today as well with Scott going over the data on our transfer target. So enough of the housekeeping. Clive, let's start with all or nothing. Just at a very high level, 30,000 foot view. Why do you think the club is doing this? Is it just, hang on, it says here, money in big capital letters? Uh, it depends. It depends how you feel about these things. I, I always thought we'd do it one day. It's going to reach us, isn't it? We've had two already, Man City and Spurs, I think, are the first two, and and we're next. Now, why wouldn't you come to Arsenal? 
Mm. I mean, we've got a massive online global presence. I mean, this is gonna it's gonna set the the Twitter sphere alight, right? So, um, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me in, in any way. And actually, I think a little bit of transparency. Not saying that we're not the most transparent club. Lots of clubs like to keep their business closed, but I think the way we're wired, we like this stuff. You know, I, I like to know what's going on. Uh, and my only worry is is that sometimes when we have statements and see things, we can misconstrue them and, and see them in our way and it can become law and it can <laughs> end careers rather than start careers. Things can go wrong. I think Liverpool, Brendan Rodgers did well at Liverpool as well at one time. And so I had a quite a negative effect on him with the way he spoke to Raheem Sterling. Mm. And so there's there's dangers here but i'm sure there's editorial things that have to be signed off i'm sure there are big thick contracts doesn't worry me in the slightest i love football i love arsenal football club program on telly gonna tell me more about arsenal football club what's the big deal i mean it is it is a threat to the AFTV industrial economy i think because it it robs (laughs) some of the it, it starts to blend into their space a little bit but look i mean i understand the initial bristling to this oh it's a money grab and it's it's tawdry and it's cheap but like I do think that there tends to be a little bit of a fun police reaction to anything new. And you've latched onto something at the end there, right? Which is like, this could be a hell of a lot of fun. It could also be sanitized garbage. But when they do the tunnel cam on the Arsenal official website, people love that stuff. And it's literally just the players like dapping each other up before the game. Like a little bit more behind the scenes access. It's not going to be scripted. It's not a reality show. It may be sanitized, but like, is it is it okay to just have fun and want more access. I mean, we won't have European football. There is a little bit of a gap in our Arsenal content calendar in terms of, you know, getting more of, of the players and the stuff we love. I mean, now there are YouTube channels devoted to clips of 14-year-old Arsenal players playing. Like, the, there is so much out there and this is access that is going to, even if it's sanitized, it's still going to be more than we've gotten. It's going to answer some questions we have behind the scenes. It's going to give us little windows into into dramas and narratives and experiences that we don't normally get. I... I guess I don't know why we'd be against that. And I understand the sense, well, it's going to be Pravda, it's state TV, it's going to be sanitized. But like, to it's some extent, it's still more access. And more access, I think, is interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I watch uh, I watch training videos. Right? I, yeah. I watch them. I watch everyone. I'm watching England ones now. I watch every one of them. I look for little tips, just look for you know, how people are striking the ball, how they're interacting. I, I, I like this stuff, right? So... For me, it's no drama. I mean, Arsenal used to do an end-of-season video for you kids. <laughs> we used to end-of-season video, and I used to get out all the time. Show bits of team talks, to show little insights. I mean, I'm not sure if they still do that anymore because there's so much content out there, but I, I'm, I'm surprised that each club doesn't do their own version of this. You know what I mean? Yeah, why, yeah. why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do this? I, there's, there's another little thing. I was talking to Andrew earlier, right? And, something that's been on my mind for a little while. I'm not sure I'm going to articulate, articulate it correctly, but I'm going to give it a go anyway, right? So I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, you are going to articulate it correctly. <laughs> well, it's Arsenal. I ask myself a question all the time. What does Arsenal mean to us? Well, and when I hear things like Arsenal DNA, the Arsenal way, back in the Arsenal Wenger hot days, it was, it was the same thing. It meant the same thing. But as a club, we've gone through a lot of change and a lot of instability. And if I ask that question to myself today, what does Arsenal mean to me? You know, the fact that I love it, and that's, you know, that's just, that's non-negotiable, right? I love it. What does it mean? What does it mean? It means different things to me than it does to my 19-year-old son. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, he's now 20. 20-year-old son, <laughs> right? So it means different things to him. It means a bit more struggle. It means, you know, certain players, you know, big players like Ozil and Sanchez, different things. It's defined in individuals, right? But to me, it means something else. It's about how we operate, how we are, how we behave, um, the inclusive, inclusivity of the club. It means different things. History. I'm a bit older, so it means different things to me. I'm, I'm, I'm in my middle age, and I can afford to go. I can afford to have big tickets. These youngsters, they can't get there to the live experience. What does it mean to them? Look at the, you know, when I was growing up, didn't have this global fan base. What do they see? What did it mean to them? No one can tell me that this doesn't open up a opportunity for more transparency for millions of people around the world. No one can tell me that Arsenal are not ready for an absolute, I use this word 
I use this word with caution. With a bit of a, a, a brand, a rebrand. Mm. Yeah. And I'm going to your world a bit earlier, but you know, it's time for us to say this is who we are and this is what we represent today. This is the modern Arsenal. You know, I, we got a new goalkeeper signed on today. And I read that in our first team squad, there are nine players now come for the academy. Is that where we're going to be? Great. You know, we're starting to develop with a stability of our executive. We're sitting there at the club. We haven't got chairman. Now, we, we're going through change still. Do you see what I mean? And I think this is a good time to do something like this. There's a whole new fan base out there, which is global and younger. We need to we need to make our fan base younger. There's too many blokes like me out there moaning <laughs> and groaning. Now, I, I represent probably a big majority of the live match going fan in their 40s and 50s that can afford the season tickets who's seen success in the past. There's not enough young people in the stadium. There's not enough of a new generation of fans in the stadium. And I want to see more of it, more people, different backgrounds, loving the club. If we can get something like this going, we're going to we're gonna create discourse, we're going to create conversation, we're going to keep Arsenal in the front line. We're watching a young player at the Euros that we all know. And there's things like half the country cutting on to who he actually is. That's, that gives you a little bit of an inkling to our relevance. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's our player of the year, and people are surprised about him. You know, and we're thinking, what's up with you lot? Don't you watch us? Well, no, they don't, because we're not relevant. We need to get relevant on the pitch and relevant off the pitch. I, I honestly feel this is a good thing. I don't really care about the outcomes. The outcomes will be polished, Elliot. You guarantee you of that. But Probably, it's more yeah. mm-hmm. it's more input for us to see the club, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, I, I mean, well, well, let me just ask you one thing real quick. To the extent that there's money to be made here, I mean, do you? What's your reaction to this? Just being like, oh, Stan went for the cash. Like, I mean, is that is that something that you're open to? I mean, I don't, I don't see it being enough cash that that would be the only thing. I I do think that when your club is featured in a show like this that may reach an audience that otherwise might still be trying to figure out what club they want to support or, you know, be football curious, but not football invested, like that it can be a recruitment tool for the brand and for the club. Um, I think the best recruitment tool is having the best players and playing the best football and winning the most trophies, but, you know, do what you can. Are you receptive to the idea that this is a cash grab? Well, mate, it's 10 million quid to Spurs guy, I believe, for doing this. Mm -hmm. And the football world, that's not life-changing money. We, we, I think we bring in £100 million from gate receipts just on, on the day. On, and so we're not we're not making that back with this with this programme. Do you see what I mean? Um, the Ben White fee's gone up £5 million quid in, a, in, a, in, in three weeks. That's half of it gone. So it's not life-changing money. I don't look at it cynically that way. I think there's something way beyond £10 million. Pounds, you know, and that's yeah. just an assumption that this is going to, you know, I think it's going to open a window into the club now. When we, my, my worry is, sometimes when we open a window into the club, we receive that information in many different ways. And if you're of a cynical mindset, you receive it one way. If it confirms certain biases, it's, it confirms, you know, it's receive it another way. Me, I just open my mind up to it. It's information. It's information. It's an insight into how a professional club runs. It's, it's just a chance to really look inside the, the umbrella of, of football, right? And p- particularly at the training ground where people work, it's their place of work. The, the ground where we go to on a Saturday, that's the show. There's an everyday aspect to this. There's everyday politics. There's everyday recruitment, development, performance, how it's measured. It's such a, it's just a different world. It's your job. And that's at London Colney. And I'm really hopeful we can see a lot of that. You know, and I, I, I can't wait, mate. I can't wait to be honest. I think it could be really, really good fun. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, too. Like, Amazon is making this for a reason. They want subscribers. They want viewers. They're not going to make a show that is a sanitized commercial for Arsenal Football Club. Like, I'm not trying to say that tons of salacious material will make its way in here and we're going to see tons of dysfunction. There may not be any. But Amazon is also trying to make a show that's entertaining. There's a series in America called Hard Knocks that covers NFL teams in their preseason. Mm. It's been around for years and years and years. When it first came out, all the coaches hated it. We don't want to participate in this. Complain to their owner. They won't be a part of it. Now every team gets their turn to be on it. No one really thinks twice about it. But like, there is some crazy stuff that you do see in it. And some of it is sanitized, but mostly it makes for a pretty good watch. And and I think it gets the balance right of showing you some things you would never see otherwise and probably hiding you 
hiding some other things from you, but the people creating the show need to create a show that's watchable. So it's not going to be a PR exercise for the club. Yeah. Whether or not you watch it, this is the other thing about content, right? The cool thing about content you hate is that unless you are the character um, in uh, A Clockwork Orange being strapped to a chair with your eyes peeled open, you can choose not to watch it. I think there's a chance that it's totally boring and worthless, and there's a chance that we get some stuff here that's interesting. Will it feed certain narratives? Will people extract things from it that they want to see? Of course, but like they do that already. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's not, nothing new. Yeah, we, we, do it, we do this every day, you mm -hmm. know, and um, it's like, well, I look at, you know, you talk about US sports there, right? But you, mm -hmm. you have things, access to dressing rooms and things like that, yeah? After game interviews, football is behind on access. It really is. It's behind. Need to do more of it. Um, I like my rugby too. And I remember seeing the Living in the Lions 1997 tour of South Africa. And it just intrigued my interest in rugby. And I've loved rugby since then. I couldn't believe it. To see the access, to see the training, to see the, the team talks, to see how they went from match to match. It There are millions of people like me that now like rugby because of that. There are millions of people that follow the British Lions because of that one video. You know, it, it can really have an impact on people if you're at that impressionable age. So we need a new generation of, of fans, right? And I think um, that's how I look at it. I'm saying we need to do this because of that. There are many reasons why you would do this. But for me, it's content and access to the football club. I can't see anything, but I can't wait to come to see it. That's all I feel. That's my first initial emotion. Yeah, I, I guess what I would say is, there's a part of me that thinks it could be boring and dull and worthless, in which case I don't know why anybody would care about it. And I think there's a possibility that it could have some stuff in it that's really fun. Um, if nothing else, it's it's more of a chance to try to understand the club in a way that we maybe don't always get to in a season when we won't get as much Arsenal. And so, you know, I'm sort of curious about it. I mean, is there a 5 or 10% chance that something explosive and crazy comes out of it that's, you know, really opens our eyes to something? Sure. I'm not expecting it. But I mean, again, I go back to my tunnel video point, you know, the pre-match behind the scenes, just the players dapping each other up, hugging it out, saying hi to each other as they walk into the training room. Like people gobble up that content because it's a little behind the scenes stuff. So yeah, I'm I'm cool with it. So uh, let's set that aside. Look, we'll see how it goes. I mean, whether or not it's a cash grab for Stan, like I'm not saying he turned down the 10 million. I'm just not saying that I think that's going to change our fortunes. We'll move off Arsenal though and get on to the topic at hand, which is England, Italy. Clive, there's a lot we can discuss, including whether you think Bukayo Saka will start in the lineups and things like that. You know what? I'm going to scrap my running order, and we're going to go to that. Do you think Bukayo Saka will start? <laughs> um, I wavered on this. I had a feeling from, you know, funny enough, it was Tim, actually, in one of our pre-pods, pre, um, pre-tournament pods, that picked out early. And I thought, oh, I hadn't thought about this. And I didn't realize they were playing in Rome initially. So I had a little look at them. I thought, cranky, they're strong. Um, and then I thought, actually, could they, you know, if we if we are playing them, I'd like to see maybe a bit more size and speed up front, you know, to play against those old men, you know. And, um, and so I had an initial thought for Marcus Rashford, funny enough, to play. I see Gary Neville came out with something similar. But actually, I've looked at it tactically today, and I actually think we're potentially going to have the same team as we did for the semi-final, because I think it's important, the game comes in phases, and I think... From the start of the game, we want to play a certain way. And later in the game, we want to play another way. So I can see Saka doing what he's done for the last two games, playing 60, 65 minutes, giving us control, giving us penetration, giving us defensive solidity on that side, but also attacking penetration directness. I see the counterbalance between him and Sterling being really quite good. And um, behind Harry, big hole, Harry's backside, rolling around the middle and falling over and turning around the corner, I see that balance working well. And I think I think Saka will start, but I don't think he'll finish. Yeah, I mean, I, I think given that he was picked for the semifinal, despite having every excuse not to pick him because he had a knock, um, I don't see why he wouldn't be picked for the final. So, yeah, I, I tend to think he will be. But for me, Clive, um, that's not the battle that matters. I think the battle that is really fascinating here is the midfield. Because yeah. I know that Rice and Phillips have come in for a lot of praise in this tournament. And I think it is deserved to some extent. I think the extent to which they were not able to progress the ball against Denmark 
the extent to which they are very conservative, the extent to which Phillips got caught out gambling a little bit, which maybe was a plan, I don't know. I I do worry that <clears throat> if ever there was a moment to get Henderson in, if he's fit enough, this would be it. The midfield battle looks problematic in this game. Um, it'll be so strong there, and England may be strong physically, but purely from a defensive standpoint. Is that where you see this game being trickiest for England? Yeah, that's that's really I mean, I, that's really astute, Elliot. Yeah, I say? I Sorry, think, won't happen again. I think in <laughs> I'll my, go on Twitter in, while you're talking. <laughs> in my house, Rice and Phillips don't get the praise they're getting around the rest of the country, um, and it, it's maybe it's maybe something in the way I look at football. I, I tend to look at that area a lot, you know, and I just think their shoulders are too square. I think their shoulders are facing back to their own goal so much, and they can only. They can only set the play backwards, and then we go down the sides in a longer way, either from Luke Shaw or Walker. I would love to see them receive the ball in a half turn a bit more, because we're losing Mason Mount. We're just losing him, so he's running around like a like a spare wheel, not actually impacting the game enough. Because he's not getting enough service, so we've literally got a third midfielder insurance policy, just darting around doing bits and pieces, but not really affecting the game in in any particular zone over any particular length of time. So you know like how we play Smith Rowe? Mm-hmm. He sort of hand grenades one side or the other, depending on which side you want to overload on, and he creates triangles on that side, and then he covers him centrally. Mason Mount sort of, he's not really picking a side. If you see what I mean, not in my mind. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Someone will tell me on the, on the, on the maps. <laughs> but we need, to, we need to, he needs to pick a side he's going to overload on, and Kane needs to pick a side he's going to overload on. Right? Mm-hmm. And they become almost like our double tens. And then we roll in in that way, and we overload using our fullbacks. But Walker stays in because Walker is the absolute epitome of the insurance policy. So he doesn't join in, and I don't blame the manager for doing that because he's outstanding recovery runner and can just stop everything. And so we push up on left side primarily. So we just need to fix Mount. We're losing him for two reasons. We need to fix him, and our two centre mids are they rest square. They don't rest on a half turn. They rest square. When they get the ball, all they can do is see the the tunnel from which the ball has come from and send it back that same direction. And so there's not enough ingenuity, turnaround skills to threaten them. So if I'm Italy, I see big X's on their back. You know, big X's saying, we're coming to get you. The moment you don't check your shoulders, I've got you. Mm-hmm. And then I can go straight at your centre halves before Carl Walker can get there. You know, to bail them out. You know, that would be my big worry in this game. I thought Henderson was great in the last game, and I will caveat that by saying I was very, very intoxicated. Yeah, but when yeah. he came on, <laughs> I felt good feelings. <laughs> good feelings when he came on. I think he he just does more stuff. But maybe in the early phases of the game, we don't want that. We want control. We want calm. We want no dramas. You want to just see them, have a look at them, see what they've got, stand still, squared up. Let's progress down the sides, penetrate when we can, create by the referee. Harry does his fall over job. Let's see what we can do from there. And then we can build upon it. So this game, I think we're going to extra time. So there's a long evening ahead of us, in, in my opinion. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Elliot. That sent me to what he's doing we're not collecting to Mount and it's forcing Kane to come too deep because he comes to look for it because we can't progress it. We miss them out and then we go to him. He either holds or he gets battered and they transition on us. So we're not playing through them at all or not enough. And I think there's not enough danger coming from those two, but that well, might be just a style thing from how I look at the game. Yeah, but I think it's also an issue because if you look at at Italy, I mean, Verratti is an interesting player. I know he's one that you've said in the past you, you didn't really get it with him and, and that you sort of had to ha- have another look at him. But like, Jorginho, we know, is a little bit static. You can get past him. You know, what would be the benefit? I mean, he's not going to do it. But if you look at Bellingham and his ability to carry the ball forward and go past a Jorginho, past a Verratti, I don't know that there's a ton of defensive solidity in that Italy midfield. What's interesting about Italy, as good as their midfield is, the way they've really capitalized in this tournament is a lot of transition. A lot of very quick passing, end-to-end moves in transition that have punished the opposition. I mean, look at what they did against Spain. Spain had them in their defensive third for large chunks of that game, despite the fact that Italy have a very technical midfield. 
uh, that you think would be able to have more control. They don't play with control as much. And so I do wonder, you know, what would be the value of another midfielder to England who can create defensive challenges for for midfielders like like a Jorginho, you know, like a Barella. But, you know, then the question is when those transitions happen, can they get back? Can they get back and cover? Um, it's a weird front three for, for Italy. You don't have that physical presence. There's not going to be a lot for, you know, a lot of big bodies for Maguire and Stones to bash around with. But you look at Chiesa and Insigne, and they're going to cause problems on the edges. I don't see it being as big an issue for um, for Walker. I do think Chiesa could cause problems on Shaw's side, especially if Shaw's yeah. bombing on. So is that, an, I mean, it's funny. I almost see this as inverse because Emerson and Saka, I can't wait to watch it. I can't wait to watch Saka go to town on Emerson because I, I don't think defensively Emerson can handle that. But by the same token, I could see Shaw struggling on Chiesa's side. So is it is that yeah. really like the, the the mirror image wings that are that are going to be the interesting battles? Yeah, it's the battle of the half space, isn't it, on those inside outside shoulders of the centre backs, right? You've got to you've got to get there. That's the golden channel, right? But they know that, and they're going to. You know, let's be honest. Carl Walker though has been absolutely brilliant. He's not so good at ball progression from deep areas. He's okay. Um, this is where Harry Kane needs to do his job. There, I have this little inkling. I mean, this is what I would do, but he won't do it. I have this little inkling for playing Foden instead of Mount in the interior. I think he's got such a personality to receive the ball. Mount is a is a really nice player, but he hasn't got his personality to go and get it and receive it. Isn't isn't as big as Foden saw Grealish. Now I understand that Grealish is more of an impact player and he plays off the left, but Foden can play in the interior and the way he receives it and his directness, but also his energy, could be a nice target for our for our back line to get out. And once we can get out, our best pass at the back there is obviously Maguire, who brings it out beautifully. Once we get out into that left side, slight inside left, we now got Foden to Sterling. Do you see what I mean? And we're off and running. We're off and running because I agree with you. I think Shaw is going to be pinned slightly by Chiesa, which is all right, unless we've got secure possession. So that player there, that mount or Foden or Grealish, who's playing the 10-ish, he's a 10-8, that player needs to be secure. And when he's secure, secure possession, that's when Shaw goes. He doesn't go without secure possession because why would you? Because you can get picked up on the transition. So I've got I've got this little inkling for Foden to play inside. But he doesn't need to do anything. He has a formula that works. He has a start 11 that's staring him in the face. And the, the biggest trick for England is they've got five players they can bring on that could actually improve the team. Mm. You know, and that is a massive thing, you know. You have certain players doing a job in the first phase of the game. Then you've got players that come on and actually bring on something else that can make the team as good, if not better. And there's no other team that could do that, in my opinion, in the whole tournament. Yeah, I, it, it is a fascinating battle because I think both teams have areas that, that I consider maybe a weakness. I mean, as weird as it sounds for Italy... I don't know that you'd point to anyone in the attacking end that you'd say that's, you know, that's a, a world-class Euro 2020 attacking player. I mean, maybe I'm getting this wrong because Italy have scored goals that look good, but like Insigne's been a little hit and miss. You know, I, I mean, he's good. Chiesa is is excellent, but he's not a forward, right? He's a fullback naturally, right? That's not really how they use him. Um, isn't he? He's a fullback. Yeah, right? I, I, I see Chiesa, when I watch him play, he's always played in that right-hand side of a front three, and he just bangs shots. He's so good at arriving and creating shot opportunities. I, I, I think he's he a is really a, he good is a player. Winger, right? Is he a wing-back yeah. or is he, is he a true winger? I, I see him as a winger, but I may okay. be wrong. I'm you know, not, I, I'm I think you're right. I actually do there. think you're right, yeah. Yeah, I'm not fully. Just, I've only, just when I look at him, that's where he plays, right? So mm-hmm. I do like him, and he's found himself. In senior, we know he does Sharp turn, agile, inside, banging, curling shots or curling crosses from the right-hand side, banging shots from the edge of the area. I think, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's nice. He's a winner. I, I take it back. Yeah. He's a winner, yeah. They're going to play probably, is it Immobile can play up front? Probably play Immobile up front. He's a central pivot, punchy, hardworking. They press really well. I, again, for me, when I, look at, when I look at Italy, I said it for one of the previous ones earlier, is that... They're just so streetwise. They just know when to cut your throat. The moment you create a mistake, they're bang, they're yeah. straight through you. They're just straight through you with speed. 
their decisions are hardly ever wrong. Benucci's passing is a big part of that too, right? I mean, having someone like that who can pass back to front and transition is, is a real value. Yeah, I mean, they're just so wise. They're just mm. so wise. You want to watch, you know, watch a team. How do I, how do I learn about football? Just, just watch these lot. They're just so wise. The coaching levels in Italy must be so strong, you know. Um, I think the Emerson thing will be interesting. I think he can be he can be got at. Oh yeah, we he know that. Can from, be from got Chelsea, at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, he can be got at. And so it'll be interesting to see what starting position Saka takes. I hope he's brave. I hope he keeps pushing him behind. Um, he had a golden five minutes against Denmark where he looked he looked fantastic and in that moment he broke the game open. He needs to roll in, do the piston with Harry Kane on that side. One goes short, one goes long. It doesn't matter which one, but you're getting you know, to just work together and create opportunities in the centre. But because Kane has decided he's going to play number nine, number 10 and number eight and number six, when we do get his opportunities, we are very reliant on Sterling's ability to arrive. And we are literally talking one person's getting there, you know. So it is, it is something where I look around, I look at the team, and I, when I look at these games through my drunken haze at TV screen, and I watch Italy, I see lots of bodies in the centre of the screen. They block the central zones really well, and they escape out to the, to the wide zones to double up to stop you penetrating there. And if you do get close to centre backs, well, they know what to do. When I, when I look at England, I see slow passing on occasion. I see playing in bursts, I see control, and then I see acceleration, penetration, Sterling or Saka, I look in the box and I don't see much else. Do you know what I mean? And then, but we're scoring just enough goals, right? So, um, so yeah, I think it's going to be, what I do like about England is the stuff, they're not listening to my heart, they're not listening to anyone's heart. What they're doing is saying, this is a game of football, it's a game of mind it's a game of technique, it's a game of tactical, it's a game of position. And if I jump out of my hole, someone's going to jump into it. I'm not going to jump out of my hole too often. And if I do, I'm going to make sure I do it for real and everything gets clattered. And so I do love the tactical maturity of these players. I do like how they're playing this game in an adult way. They're not playing like a like a fan. They're not doing what we would want. They're doing what's right for the game, what's right to play these big teams and... I tip my hat to them so far. Yeah, yeah. A couple of things that that are interesting about this that we probably should touch on just real quick. God, there it is. There's the bingo mug. Um, real quick. <laughs> uh, God, you know what's funny about making the bingo card is that like now whenever I say anything that's on it, it I really notice how much I say it. Um, <laughs> the the goalkeeper situation. Pickford maybe didn't inspire confidence in the semifinal, and it was the first time that you looked at him and thought, is he losing his nerve a bit? How worried are you about Pickford in light of, an, let's say, an uneven performance in the semifinal? Yeah, I think the team had a goal to get to the semifinal stroke final, and they're sitting there in the semifinal against a team they know they should beat mm. at home, expectations upon them. And Jordan Pitford, I think he's done really well with himself the last few months. He's lost weight. He's grown his hair. He looks in shape. He's got a sports psychologist on board. And he seems to have really calmed down until the Denmark game, (laughs) when all the old stuff came back. And that showed you that there's some frayed edges there. But actually, I actually don't mind that now because it's done. A couple of things happened versus Denmark. We conceded. Done. Jordan Pitford went back to being Everton Jordan Pickford. Done. He's had his moment. Now, when they talk to him and say, look, you've had your moment, calm yourself down. He's now got a benchmark from which to restart from. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he needs to just calm down from that moment on. And we're not going to change him, right? So he's going to play. And he's got, he's a major, he's a major weapon for us because his feet are so good. The players use him a lot. Mm-hmm. They go back to him comfortably. There's no dramas when he goes back to him until Wednesday night, really, when he made some bad choices. He just needs to reset on those choices. And um, I'm sure he'll be fine. Yeah. Um, in terms of the soft factors in this game, playing at home, um, in a way, I, I think we know the advantage that playing at home can be, but with the pressure that England puts on football and the It's Coming Home narrative and the length of time it's been for a major tournament win for England and what it would mean to the nation and <clears throat> trying to deliver that in front of a home crowd, is it actually maybe an extra unneeded pressure trying to deliver this at Wembley 
or do you think that's that's 40 chess and actually no having the home crowd is a huge advantage i think it's it's a huge it's a huge advantage i mean you know i the the, the country's awake it's it's alive it, it really is well you know, thank god because if it wasn't then that would be one of the greatest tragedies in history I mean, the entire yeah, country <laughs> it's 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 alive you know it's just huge what's happening it, it's just huge and um on the end of a pandemic this is the moment to to get together again uh, I, I didn't i didn't heard what tim's views were on the game but I'm, I, I from i've heard it was fantastic at wembley midweek like mm. no like, like no other you know, so um, and Tim's been around a few a few grounds, shall we say? So he's more than well placed to articulate how that was compared to other games. So there's something special happening in the country, and there's a there's a unification happening, driven by a football team, and I never thought that would happen. It shows the power of sport. It really does affect people's psyche in a way that not many other things can. You know, and um. The way this team presents itself is just wonderful. It is just wonderful. All the players, the management, they're just a credit. The coaches, Chris Powell's great coach, Graham Jones, ex-Luton manager, went up to help Steve Bruce um, at Newcastle, salvaged their season. He has like really done a lot of good work for England. Steve Holland, great rep at Chelsea, been around the whole Southgate thing for a while now. He's meant to be a fantastic strategist. Southgate is an unbelievable ambassador for the game. And I'm just hopeful they get their rewards. You know, it's all there. The players are there. They're a good age. Whatever happens on Sunday, this is not the end of the story, you know, because there's so much talent that's bursting to get through, bursting to get through. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to continue um, if we can not mess this up and we build upon it, you know, but... Um, It'll be a really tough game, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty hopeful, Elliot. Hopeful. Hidden opportunities in this game. So, Chiellini and Benucci, at least statistically, are terrible at winning their aerial duels. And mm. you don't really have any other big physical presence in the side. England showed their set-piece prowess again recently. And, yeah. you know, when you have someone like Maguire back there in particular, obviously, and, and as dominant as he is in the air... Are corner kicks and free kicks a potentially big, big part of this game for England, given that you've got two center backs for Italy who, again, at least statistically, are very poor in terms of winning aerial duels? Yeah, so Maguire, I mean, he'd be a good bet for first goal scorer. He, he really would, uh, I think. Kane's no slouch in that department either, by the way. He's not bad. He's not bad. He's... As much as it, it's acid in my mouth to say it. <laughs> He's not bad. He knows how to get, I almost call him second phase chances in the air. First phase chances off set pieces. That's Maguire and Stones all all day long, really. And um, so let's see what happens there. But what Italy are quite good at is creating situations where they get a free kick. You know, anything near them, they fall down and hold parts of their body, and they get a free kick. So you might be do you might do better to almost do like short free kicks, create a phase of play where you can create separation, so they can't just get near you and fall over. You know what I mean? So, um, mm. but yeah, it's an opportunity. Uh, I've, I've got this feeling for, everyone's talking about, it's gonna, is it going to be Sacco? Is it going to be Foden? Is it going to be Sancho? I have to say, I've got this feeling for Rashford. I've got this feeling for a big body striker that can really have presence around those those players late in the game and really pin people back. I've got a feeling for him. I think he can do something against them. I think his ability to run at speed over long distance it will help us late in the game, whatever the game state is, whether we're in charge or not, to have that player to come on. He has to be a direct player for me. Got to be the threat of down the sides to pin them back because they will squeeze us. They will squeeze, they will overload, they will nick it. They'll go down our spaces. We will get stressed from being in our in our own third, last third for too long. We will get stressed because we haven't been here before. You know, we literally haven't been here before. So how we make challenges, what we do, our decisions, defensive decisions, our distances are going to be really important. So I think having that ability to change the forward dynamic late in the game, to give us the out, to give us the encouragement and the hope we can always get to them is going to be important. If Italy are ahead, they're going to drop into a mid-low block. And again, having that bigger body will help. You know, I think it will help. So I've just got a feeling how we end the game with a, with a Marcus Rashford on the weekend. I've got that feeling. Yeah. Um, 
do you think that Mancini might do anything different, might surprise, you know, back three, a formation you don't expect? I mean, he, you know, he's obviously a very experienced, one of the rare examples of, I think, an experienced international manager who is a, a really, or has been at times an elite club manager. I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of them and I'm just being an idiot there, but, you know, obviously... Southgate, not not so much in that mold. Um, not to say that he's not done a, a brilliant job, but do you think Mancini could have a trick up his sleeve, something we don't expect? Uh, I don't see him changing from the four three three. I think um, what's surprised me about it really has been the the energy by which they've played, the energy by which they've really forced to play in the opponent's half. I really thought against Spain they really did well when Spain, you thought they would come back and pin them back. They were they were comfortable in their own last third, but they were comfortable pushing back and taking risks to get forward. It'd be interesting to see how Emerson plays that left-back role compared to Spinozola, who sometimes, because he's a right foot, he drives into the, the fourth channel, if you know what I mean, Elliot, on the fourth or five channels. He drives inside with, on the diagonal, and he creates real shot opportunities in there. And I think, whereas I think Emerson will be slightly less reticent to go on the outside and drive. I think... Saka's role will be really important how he can pin him but I think he can take him I really do if he plays we could have a hero on our hands we really could have a hero on our hands because I think he's he's due to do something if he if he's given the opportunity so um, I'm not seeing anything tactically different but if he does that's a huge compliment to England but I don't think he needs to mm. I think well, my little worry it's only a small worry it's the energy and the the emotional energy that came out of England on on Wednesday night. It was it was big, right? It, it really was big, and how we recover from that will be will be interesting. And but you know we again back to the bench. We've got the energy there, so um, it's not the end of the world. And when we bring them on, I, I think we were fitted in Denmark by a long way, but we didn't have to go to Baku like they did. Mm. You know, so it'll be interesting to see how recovered we are. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it was an exhausting match, obviously. I, I still think, you know, it's enough days in between. It's a final. Adrenaline can get you a long way. And I think England maybe have the ability to change the match more effectively with what's on the bench than England, uh, than, it, that England does more effectively than Italy does. So yeah. um, I, I think that Southgate's ability to pick the right time to do that if he needs to is going to be crucial and pick the right guys to do it. I mean, it, I didn't think Mount was great in the semifinal. <clears throat> and, you know, I, I do wonder, it seemed like there was a bit of a logjam on the right that they, they got crowded over on the right, but maybe that was by design to create space for Sterling on the left to attack an individual defender. Um, I wonder if they might consider doing the opposite to give someone space to attack Emerson. And and I, I do think that maybe Sterling and Saka will switch flanks more frequently. I saw them do it a little bit. In the in the semifinal, I wouldn't be surprised if you see him do it more in the final to try to attack that side as a vulnerable side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the, the Sterling, there's a Sterling comp out there versus Ben Denmark, and my goodness, how many dribbles did he have in the game? Mm. How many carries? I mean, he just attracts flies to him. He's just incredible. He's just incredible. I think Saka's got to try to get there. He he was very much pinned to the touchline. And Kane was coming over a little bit in that inside space. So well, Mount was standing standing in the space too. I mean, that whole area yeah. was very congested. Yeah, I, I didn't. Maybe I've misread that earlier. So apologies if I have. But I, I think um, I think it's important we get those two boys turned around and escaping. Yeah, you, you have to, to get them turned around and escaping. That is the key thing. Force them into fouls. Force them into transition fouls and yellow cards. They've got the ability to do it. Can we get the ball to them? That's it for me. We got three behind a one. Mount does a hybrid role. Can we get the ball to them? Because they can turn around, they can do stuff. They can all travel, they can all beat the first man. And they can make good passing decisions and combine and link. So can we get the ball to them? I didn't feel we got the ball to them enough in the Denmark game. Although we had, I read we had more touches in the box than any other team since Euros have been recorded. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think Sterling, I don't know how many he had, but he had like more than the entire Denmark team we had in our box. Mm. I mean, it's incredible the way we got there. So, you know despite my... Sorry, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, mate. No, well, go ahead. I was just going to say, the thing that's interesting is Denmark, early on, when I thought they were most effective, seemed like they really targeted Rice and Phillips, and they pressed a bit, and they harried them, and, and they went backwards. Against Spain, 
I thought Italy, at least from what I saw, really decided to play in a low block. They were not combative in midfield from what I saw. Um, and, you know, I think uh, Phil and I debated whether that was a, a design or just Spain being too good. And I think Phil was on the on the side of thinking that Spain was just too good in possession and Italy couldn't get near them and they had to drop off. But yeah. it'll be interesting because if Italy do decide to be combative in midfield against Phillips and Rice, who I don't think dealt with it well against Denmark, can they pick that pass to mount between lines? Can they pick that pass to Saka or Sterling dropping in or Kane dropping in? Or will they just go back to Maguire and go back to Stones like they did against Denmark? That's going to be something to keep an eye on because I... Against Denmark, it wound up okay, but I think it could have been a very a much easier game for England if they had someone in midfield who could bypass that pressure. And if Italy try to do it, I think England need to be able to go forward, not just backward. Yeah, I think about I agree with Phil about with Spain. I think Spain are just so good on the ball; they're just so technical. They just they're they're a, they're a wonder in possession, right? And that's how they're how they're built. There comes a time where you got to say to yourself, "I need to conserve energy at this for this period." You know, acceptance that you you just need to wait. How you see out moments is is so key. Accept it. They're on a they're on a hot streak. So you know what? I'm not going to jump out and make this easier for them to pick us apart. I'm going to hold. I'm going to do my distances. I'm going to shuffle from side to side. Spain still create millions of chances because they're good, right? So you said sometimes you have to accept this is not your moment and what you do there I do do agree with you we have to get that connection through to Mount he's there for a reason he's a connection player he connects things and I don't feel he is he's just it's not a critique of him he's just not falling his way yet he's not getting shots you know he's not really putting in crosses do you see what I mean he's not he get pre-assists but he's out there and everyone says he plays you see? Yeah. So I think it's more of a tactical defensive role. He's like, a, I think there are two insurance policies and he's one of them, right? Defensively, he knows Jorginho. He will feel comfortable around him. He knows he can take him. So I can see England playing the same team, although I've got a little inkling myself. I think Foden looked so bright when he came on. But you don't have to win it in the first half an hour, do you? You don't have to. You can still do it later on, you know? So, um, so yeah, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one, but sometimes the game suits you, in, and sometimes it doesn't. And I think Mount's role is hard to find. We still need that centre midfield player that can play on the half turn and spin it. Mm. And we haven't got that at the moment, so we are where we are. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to put you on the spot, and I think I know what you're going to pick. But who are you going to pick? What's 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 going to happen here? I think I think England are going to win. But I think they're going to win on penalties. That's what I see happening. I I got to level with you. There are a lot of ways England can win, and penalties is not one of them. <laughs> well, <laughs> you I know just that. I, you know England can't got, win a major tournament on penalties. <laughs> what are you talking I, about? <laughs> I just got this feeling. I just got Hell, this Kane feeling. Kane missed his penalty in the semifinal. Um, it's all good. It's all good. I got his feeling it's going to go to penalties, but I think. I think England are ready for this final. It's the first experience of it. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. I'm glad we went a goal down in the semi-final because we know what that feels. If you go goal down in the final, I think it's going to have bigger trauma because this team are good. You know, they know how to protect leads. So, um, so yeah, it's important we control the story for as long as we can. I think we'll start quick and try to control the story there. I think, but I just got his feeling it's going to be 1-1, extra time, and then it's going to be who's going to, no one's going to want to make a mistake that cost the championship, so we'll end up with penalties. That's my feeling. Yeah, all right. Well, I hope your heart can take it. Then. <laughs> 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 it sounds awesome. So do I. So do I. It's tough. I'm definitely going, I'm going off the drink from Monday morning. That's it. This can't continue. Mm. You know, so um, it's just a... Um, it's a joyous time. It's a joyous time, you know, for football fans full stop and for England fans who've watched a lot of bad games and unlucky games. It's really refreshing to see a team that seems to understand what they're doing. So much so that people are not even critiquing the choices and the selections anymore. There's a lot more trust. I never thought I'd ever say that for um, an England watcher, per se, because everybody in the country is an England manager, right? So, um, but there's a lot more trust in his decisions. There's a lot more trust about the bond between the players and the management, and there's certainly a there's certainly a transparency and openness 
between the players and the fans there there really is and um so yeah i'm 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 just hopeful but i i don't think you know i'll, I'll be devastated if we lose but you can't help but see the progress so um hopefully i'll, I'll get out of it quick well the good, the good news is like the world cup's actually comes up real quick after this a lot of times yeah. i think what happens is the the time between tournaments can mean that you can't capitalize on momentum in some way international football isn't really about momentum but I think this one could be a little more about momentum because they're a little closer together than usual. Um, I'll be pulling for you. I mean, if you're re- listening, rooting for Italy would be an amazing story. And I know there are a lot of Americans, you know, of Italian descent who are you know, obviously going to be rooting for Italy. Um, but yeah, I'll be rooting for you. I'll be rooting for the fighting Sackas. I, um, I had a couple of drinks the other night. <laughs> you're not supposed to spend your own money this way. I bought five items from our website at full price. <laughs> Five. I got a hoodie, two t-shirts, and two mugs from our own website. I woke up the next morning. I had the emailed receipt, and I'm like, okay, well, there you go. There you so, go. Yeah, I, but yeah, Good I had to, I had to have Saka riding a unicorn, so it is what it is. But I, I'm I'm all wrapped up in it too. So anyway, uh, Clive, I wish you luck. Clive's on Twitter at Clive PFC. Thanks, man. Thank you very much. Yep, my name is Elliot Smith. Uh, you can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. We will obviously have a post-match podcast right at full time of the final, whatever happens. And it's uh, it's going to be an emotional day, and I hope you enjoy it. I hope you've enjoyed the journey. We are down to two. So for my outro today, all I can say is, wherever you are, as long as you support Italy or England, it's coming home. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.